This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 23. Hi, everyone. It's Brett Duncan here. And before we jump into this episode, a couple quick things. First off, this is part two in a two-part series on how to handle the most common organizational cancers. Uh, Chris got started on this back in episode 22, uh, and it was good, and we talked about it for a long time, so we split it up into two parts. And so we're going to jump right back into that conversation. So just know that as we jump in, and maybe you're like, whoa, hey, where are we coming from here? Where's the setup? Well, it's actually back in episode 22, so make sure you go back and listen to that. Uh, But I think you're going to love this episode. And then also, just like last episode, uh, in this recording as well, we unfortunately had some technical difficulties. Uh, That's the bad news. The good news is it was on my microphone and not on Chris's. So Chris sounds great. And of course, Chris is bringing the good stuff. But some of my questions and back and forth will be a little less than the high quality that you're used to. We just uh, ask for your Uh, forgiveness there and your tolerance. And uh, again, don't let that get in the way of a lot of the great lessons that are in store for you today. So let's jump right in. We're going to jump into part two of how to handle the most common organizational cancers with Chris Fuller. Is um, I have to clarify expectations and I have to um, clearly delineate an outcome. Mm -hmm. So if one of the best things, a guy named Joel Manby, if you're familiar, Joel Manby has a book out called Love Works. Okay. Now, uh, Joel was the CEO of family, uh, Hershen Family Entertainment. He's now the CEO taking over SeaWorld and overseeing sort of the turnaround of SeaWorld. And one of the things that I heard him say, which was beautiful, is he said, you know, relationships can go sideways when you don't get crystal clear about expectations and you don't have firm positive accountability. You think you're helping the relationship by not having the rigidity of expectations, outcomes, and accountability. Mm -hmm. The fact is you're harming the relationship through that fuzziness Mm -hmm. because when it goes wrong and it will go wrong, they think they're doing their best. You think because you didn't share clearly that they're not. And so that relational disconnect is going to be there. So one of the best things you can do for trust is crystal clear expectations, set the standard, set that point of accountability, hold people accountable. So just that clarity. So measured that progress, clarify the expectations. Do I have right expectations? And get out of the assumption business, get into the clarity business. Yeah, that's good. That's very helpful. Because I think even if you're listening right now, just as I was listening to Chris, and, you know, the Rolodex of people that were coming up in my mind, right? <laughs> there, there's low trust there. Ask yourself, okay, is it character? Yeah. Is it on the personal level? Is it competency? You know, and I've been even sitting here thinking, sometimes on the competence level, I can't be mad at them. If they don't, or if they, sometimes. Right. If they simply don't have the skill or don't have the knowledge and someone else hired them to do this position, I should actually be uh, angry with that person. Exactly. Right? I'm, I'm angry at being who they are. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I, as crazy as that sounds, that's helped me in the past say, I'm no longer mad at you. Now, my trust still isn't huge because for the sake of the company, I can't necessarily trust your judgment. I can't delegate to you. Right. If it's going to boomerang or it's going to fall. Right. But I also can't um, leave you in your state of weakness. Yeah. So I'm either going to need to step in and I'm going to need to help grow your competency or I'm going to have to essentially delegate that work to you Mm -hmm. and, and, and trust that the leader 
is going to pick up or see your deficiency. Yeah. So when do you delegate? Why, why am I overstepping my boundaries by protecting someone from failing if that may be in their best interest so that they fix that deficiency either in their character or in their competency? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. That's strong. So we've talked about silos. We've talked about guarded communication. We just talked about working through low trust. Yep. And as you were talking about that, you mentioned uh, the importance of accountability and performance. And that's, again, our next one. I mean, you were segueing beautifully. (laughs) Um, So the fourth organizational cancer that is most common that we identified is a lack of accountability and or a lack of performance. There's two sides of that, right? There's there's not only the lack of, it's the how of. Mm. There's, There's leaders that will just berate you. And it's not... Hey, you missed your deadline. Let's talk about these deadlines and let's make sure that we meet these. It's like, you're an idiot. And how do you? And so that treatment, that fair treatment becomes so toxic that when you sit in here and you're going home at night and the voices in your head from how they held you accountable make you feel like a lesser human. Mm -hmm. And when you start to feel like a lesser human, you know that that treatment starts to put voices in your head that are not you. You know you're competent, you missed a deadline, or they didn't clearly communicate that deadline. And so it is that clarity of expectation with the, here's what I'm expecting, here's when I want it by, and then we have that positive accountability point. Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to, um, here's the point of accountability, here's where I'm struggling. Um, Sometimes, driver type personalities will give you a deadline that is at best a stretch goal and at worst an impossible goal yeah so if you to have that driver personality you're going to go what is this going to take two days and you're sitting there looking at it and you're going no it's going to take two to three weeks at least with three people the struggle with this accountability expectation and accountability if you are as a person i'm going to ask you to go inside for a minute are you conflict avoidant Mm. do you have a hard time saying no do you have a hard time pushing back on a particular person then you will agree or acknowledge a deadline that is not appropriate and then you're going to have this passive aggressive push pull within you yeah. that becomes your toxicity that you're judging the leader by saying they should know better they should know it's a bad deadline they should know how stressed we are they should and so some of that maltreatment comes into the appropriate setting and forming of boundaries to be able to tell that boss no boss i want to support you you know i believe in this but within these particular realistic time frames something either has to roll off the plate we need to add additional resources and so there's two sides of that mm-hmm. it's a leader not holding others accountable mm-hmm. but then on the other side of that it's us agreeing to timelines that are unreasonable unreachable right. and uh, unattainable given the context of what's going on yeah i know you were mentioning kind of thinking of this three different ways uh, leader to team, yeah. team to leader, right, and then kind of department to department. Right. So break that down. Well, obviously, again, leader to team. How does the leader treat us? Does the leader have the right competency set? Yeah. Is the leader architecting? Am I in safe hands with the leader at the wheel? Right. Well, and even I would, I would guess, too, the team thinking the leader's going to do what he said he's going to do. Right. The leader uh, is performing, she's performing at the level that we think is great for this position, right, as a leader. True. And if you get a leader that comes in 
Um, and one of the struggles I've seen within organizations is a leader, an, a, a culture will become toxic when a leader is either asleep at the wheel or when a leader comes into a department with something to prove and needs to blame the existing department mm -hmm. so that they become the hero. Mm -hmm. yeah, any, excuse me, any sort of hero needs a, right? Yeah. A villain. Right. And yeah. so then the team becomes the villain sure. and the process is in, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to whip them into shape. I'm going to have to da 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 da. And all of that, the team knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. And anytime the leader is there just as another rung on the ladder or the leader's there to blame and shame, all of those toxicity pieces, that's, that's brutal. Yeah. So I need to trust that the leader's going to have clear communication clear points of accountability, fair treatment of everyone, yeah. and set up this positive environment by which we're all going to um, contribute our fullness. Right. You spoke to essentially team to leader as right. well. Yep. What does department to department accountability look like? <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, again, you know, we have to trust each department to do their job. Mm -hmm. um, we have to, we have to understand, um, is someone else going to blame their deficiencies on us? Oh, they didn't get the paperwork back or they're not doing this right. And all of a sudden, if they go into a meeting with the higher ups, one department starts throwing another department under the bus, we're in deep trouble. Yeah. And there's a little bit of animosity built into departments. For instance, again, sales has this belief that we pay for everything that you see. Right. And so yeah. we're the ones that the money is made off of. Uh -huh. And, you know, accounting production, operations. The only reason you guys exist is because we've sold something. Right. So yeah. there does become this a little bit of this airiness to um, department to department. Right. But accounting's going, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to show our worth by pencil whipping everybody to right. the seventh decimal point and we're going to prove our and so again the justification of existence of every department yeah. we really can end up with some hurtful feelings uh, back towards that piece and it's yeah. like look you know so we lost 30 percent of your sales you probably didn't sell it right in the first place or right. instead of going man for every sale that we bring in i've got this one organization i'm dealing with right now that has a attrition rate of like 30 to 40 percent of the new customers coming in mm -hmm. well they're a large organization so you do the math and it's like they're hemorrhaging 200 million dollars in operational loss that sales then can bring animosity to the table yeah. specifically because do you have any idea how hard it took me to get that sale mm -hmm. and to build that business yeah. and how hard it's going to be to get it back because yeah. you guys screwed it up. Yeah. So that sort of department to department can create some animosity and friction really quick and it becomes deep seated. And that's, that's again, that's hard to eradicate. We've yeah. got to have that, that joint session that says, we want to help you. We've got to break down the barriers. We've got to purposefully sit in a room with each other, elevate the vision, mission, purpose, collaboration so that we can get over this level of toxicity. We as the, as the white blood cells, if you will, we as that, uh, that, that blood born, we've got to attack it together um, so that we can eradicate that cancerous activity. Yeah. I know just thinking personally too on I can't think of a strategic meeting or a team building meeting that I've been a part of that doesn't bring up uh, accountability, right? Everyone wants it. Yeah. 
And typically when they bring it up, they're not thinking about themselves or their department. They're thinking about <laughs> another one or everyone else but them. Right. Which, you know, again, think about that for a second. Okay, why don't you feel it? Well, you understand the context and the circumstances and, you know, everything. And you don't for them. You think you do, but maybe you don't. So uh, I think that's so key. Vulnerability builds trust. Yeah. And I think we've seen it in... Uh, Oh man, I hate to I hate to go political, but I think one of the one of the things about the the politics that we're going on now mm -hmm. is just the inability to say, you know what, I was wrong. Right. I misspoke. Yeah. You know what? You know I did that wrong. Yeah. Um, I said it wrong. I lied. Yeah. I have no idea what the character deficiency is in me that made me lie. Um, I'm gonna hold you. Um, uh, I'm gonna give you permission to hold me accountable. Yeah. Um, if I and isn't it funny in the political system we have this whole fact check? Yeah, we've built into an, an entire yeah. uh, arena within the news media. Assumption is they're going to lie at right. some point, yeah. and so that vulnerability, that accountability, that that willingness to say, Brett, you know what? If you ever wonder if I said it right or if you catch me um, in something I've said wrong or a lie, call me on it. Right, and then I'm going to say, you know what? I don't want that in my character. I don't want that to be a part of our culture. I'm going to own it, and I'm going to have that vulnerability. Why? Because above all, we have to guard the trust, because trust is the fundamental foundation, the bedrock of leadership. It's the currency of our exchange, mm -hmm. and without it, we're going toxic. Yeah. So let's move into our fifth one here, and this is the one that I wasn't expecting to hear when you brought it up, but I love it, and, and that is the... Uh, inability to have healthy conflict. Yeah. Um, I mean, shouldn't we, if we're getting rid of organizational cancer, shouldn't we just get rid of conflict entirely? <laughs> <laughs> um, life is conflict. Mm. And it needs to be healthy conflict. Now, if any of us have a lens of where conflict was not right in our families of origin, um, we're in trouble. Sure. Um, the first conflicts that we've had on the playground, right, mm -hmm. didn't go right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a healthy resolution of conflict. It was, uh, we're going to fight. Right. And so fight can, can lead to hurt feelings, can lead to you know, physical brawls and all that stuff. So we're really kind of weird about conflict. But essentially it is, how do we get us against the conflict instead of me against you? Mm -hmm. And so if we're talking about you know, something that we're doing. If you're going, okay, Chris, you know, um, let's talk about these podcasts. Let's line this out. And I'm going, no, let's get in a room and let's just, your methodology might not gel with my methodology and we're going to have conflict around methodology. Right. But if we elevate, if you say we want a stellar gold star, five star podcast, and here's the methodology that I think we're going to need to get there. Yeah. Here's what the best do. Here's how the best do it. Then we're elevating against Right? What's the common enemy? I think we need this, this healthy conflict elevates the dragon to slay or the princess to rescue. We've got to elevate the mission. We've got to be mission-minded and get to that next point where it's us against the good, right. us against the opposite of the good, mm -hmm. so that we can come together. So when we talk about healthy conflict, you know, expect conflict. Expect right. difference of opinions. Expect different approaches. And in the midst of that, it's, it's going to go sideways at some point. Sure. How we get to the other side of some ways is critical to uh, healthy. It's a real indicator. You want an indicator of your culture? 
can you get through conflict or does it, the problem's not the problem. The problem is we can't talk about the problem. We can't discuss the problem. The problem derails us. So the problem is not the problem. We're the problem. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, I think it's good though to sit here and accept the fact that, I mean, half the reason you probably hired me, leader, was to address conflict. Right. You know, now it might be a specific marketplace conflict or something like that, but it's still, if there are conflicts for us to resolve, then why do you need me? You know, I've heard one of the ways, I think I built it into the book, um, you know, problems are money. Solve the problem, solve right. the conflict, yeah. you get the money. Yeah. It's a value proposition to yeah. say we're better at getting to the other side of conflict mm -hmm. than our competitors. Mm -hmm. Does conflict in the marketplace derail us or does it propel us towards success? Yeah. Well, and I know too, and this leads into our, our last one we're going to talk about today, but um, when you don't accept that conflict is normal, that it's going to happen, people have odd reactions to it. A lot of people avoid conflict at all costs. Yeah. Right? Some people, I mean, wrestle it to the ground just in inappropriate ways, but that's how they <laughs> deal with it. Yeah. You know, but that leads into our sixth one on the list of organizational cancers, and that is what we will summarize as the political backroom. Yeah. And that has lots of different looks and feels, but we all know about office politics, right? Right. Yeah. The cancer is this. Um, we need to we need to be straight up. We need to be able to have the conflict in the meeting. We need to be able to win the battle in the meeting. Yeah. Uh, one of the greatest toxic aspects of culture is the meeting going on before the meeting, the meeting going on after the meeting, and so even any decisions made in the meeting are subject to the backroom deals after the meeting. Yeah. And so all of that goes into this uh, th this tremendous energy that's spent trying to figure out who's working the angle and who's subverting behind the scenes. And, and all of this creates, all this toxicity, uh, Brett, that we're talking about today, creates burnout of great people. This toxicity goes home. You talk about it in the evenings. There's a toxic person. There's a toxic situation. And we can't even come home healthy and whole into our families because we're talking about toxic situations that have gone on. And so all these backroom deals, all these handshakes, all this meeting after the meeting or this building up your little fiefdom so that you can try to win the argument and gain this power within the, man, all of that is so toxic to people and to organizations that people that are working that angle, people that are that brutus, people that are that behind the scenes shadow leader um, that are working the angle, those are one of the first ones that you've got to hit it head on and go, we are not doing that. Yeah. We're not talking about each other negatively behind their back. We're having open communication, open conflict, assume positive intent. Um, you know, don't diminish the value of others. Build and guard the trust. All these things are such important pieces to say how we do what we do is critical. And this toxicity, this blood-borne illness, this spreading of the disease and the cancer has to stop because good people are burning out and it's affecting our performance, it's affecting our energy, it's affecting the mental health of our people. And guess what, you want a financial number? Go ask human resources or whoever monitors your benefits what the absentee rate in your toxic culture is. Hmm. Look at the outage of people, look at the health costs of people, look at the turnover rate within your departments, and I guarantee you it will be an indicator of the financial consequences of highly toxic organizations. Wow. 
you know, thinking about it too, it's really at the end of the day, it's just manipulation, right? Yeah. I mean, and so what, what drives people to choose manipulation in all of the seedy and hidden ways yeah. versus... It's it's fear based. Um, it's 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 absolutely. Um, I feel insignificant. I don't have personal self worth. I'm looking for my power base in a different way, and and really ultimately it's this it's this personal deficiency. You know when people are miserable, the the saying is hurting people hurt people. Right. Something's going on in their life, yeah. um, but that doesn't always excuse it. I understand it. I get it. You got misery. Somebody that's miserable at home, guess what? They're bringing it to work. And so what that, that angst, that negativity is just an outflow. If you think it's miserable on the outside, you probably ought to try what it's like on the inside. Yeah. Um, that is a miserable, internal, turmoil-based individual. And although we all have that, that hurt, that trauma in our lives, we can't let that trauma lead us where we feel victimized we can't make it um, lead us to being a uh, someone who victimizes others yeah this has been so good so we've gone through the six most common organizational cancers obviously there could be others but I my gut is even if you were identifying other it really kind of finds its way back to probably one of these six that we've discussed today in some yeah. form or fashion so regardless, we talked about silos, guarded communication, low trust, lack of accountability and performance, uh, the avoiding healthy conflict, and then the political backroom. Regardless of what the cancer is, yep. as a leader, yeah. how do you handle it? What do you do about it? You, number one, you establish a value system. Mm -hmm. You plant the flag. Mm -hmm. This is who we are. This is what we're about. And one of the greatest pieces is fair treatment. No one of us is more important than all of us. And you have to realize that that personality base, that fair treatment, that value-centric piece of we will build a culture where all of us giving our lives to this, we go home better than when we came. We go home as good as when we came. So the first piece is you've got to establish hard the value system. That then, the, the, the rest of it is systemic. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you deal with the personality and the value centricity, plant that flag, the rest of it is how we conduct ourselves in meetings, our code of conduct, you know the the these values will be self-evident right? right and yeah. so when you're when you're sitting there doing the the preamble to the all of these particular pieces come into this is what it looks like to work here this is what it feels like to work here and here's our process mm -hmm. we'll have a meeting and and once you have a standard mm -hmm. you have to be willing to hold people accountable to that standard yeah. because invariably someone will either purposefully or accidentally violate that and you have to make sure pay that price on the front end to, to change it as soon as possible um, to back to this code. And when people start to embody that and embrace that, then, then essentially that's when it's really going to come is when a team says to everybody else, we, we don't allow gossip here. We don't allow toxic interactions here. Mm -hmm. You can't do that here. Mm -hmm. Then that's really where we start to have these amazing teams that have synergy, optimism power and progress yeah and i know too looking at so you've identified a cancer and the vast majority of the time it's either a process or a person it is right? it is uh process I, 
it, I'm not going to say it's easy to tackle that, but it's at least you can say, all right, let's go, let's address that process in all the different ways. Right. When it's a person and yeah. you're a leader, yeah. how do you know, where do you draw the line? Because I'm, I bet there's a lot of leaders that are sitting there thinking, I can develop them out of that. Yeah. Maybe you can. Um, how do you know? How do you know where it's like, all right, we can work on this or it's worth it not to work on this? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you generally will give people more rope um, than they deserve or mm -hmm. than they need. And you feel like you hope that they turn it around. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I think I've probably said this before. There's a book on my shelf that I'm scared to open called Hope is Not a Method or Hope is Not a Strategy, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. we got to get out of that hope game. Yeah. Um, have the standard. Hold them accountable to the standard. Yeah. And realize that... For the sake of the whole, you have 10 families that are in that department. Mm -hmm. You can't over allow, you can't become passive with the one that's damaging the 10. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this when we're talking about the Iditarod about sledding a dog. Right. You have to deal with that particular one right. and set those clear boundaries and hold that standard. And again, what you really need to realize is you're actually giving them a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to give you a gift, Brett. I'm going to hold you accountable to the standards so that you get past this particular point, right. whatever that particular piece is. Deal with them. Deal with them straight up. Deal with them quickly. Yeah. Now, the problem is, what if that toxicity is your boss? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Well, you're going to need to vote with your feet. <laughs> Does that mean you're kicking or you're walking? Uh, you're, you you gotta you gotta find a place that is healthy for you. Yeah. Your job is not to spread the cancer under that leader. Mm -hmm. If that leader is there, you can have a voice. You can say it's not appropriate. You can go through the correct channels. But if the organization t chooses to leave that leader there, um, essentially, as much as it pains me, you got to go find a place where you're happy. Right. And and your job is not to change that leader or spread the rumors or cancer or try to get them fired. It is to say, you know what, I need to honor the organization. And uh, and the best way for me to honor that is to exit or transfer. Yeah. This has been a good episode and a long one at that. But yeah. That's okay. I think it, it, it required it. And, um, you know, my hope is obviously we're talking about a somewhat negative topic, but really I was getting motivated as I was hearing, one, okay, it feels good to be able to identify these cancers, right? That's a pro. That's yeah. A, that's, that's a strength. Yeah. And that uh, tips on, okay, here's why it, why it started. Right. Which, when I'm clear on that, I can actually do something about it, right? And so hopefully it's motivating to you as a leader. And what's the other thing I, I observed as you were talking there is how one cancer can feed the other, right? Oh, yeah. So let's take the example of the leader who won't get rid of the person who clearly needs to be get rid of, uh, to, to, he needs to get rid of. Yep. All right, so that in your team, there's obviously a lack of accountability there, right? Because here's values, here's their performance or character, and they don't match, you're not doing anything about it. Yep. Which leads into low trust, right? Right. I don't trust you as my leader. I hate um, you as this right. coworker that's yeah. sitting here, you know, exploding over all of us and, and you're the most difficult person and making our life hell. But now I really don't trust my leader because that's the person that can and should solve it. Right. And so now I'm in a real deficient state. Yeah. No, and obviously I, we could continue that, but they really could all connect just off of one, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty easy. So as a leader, take note of these six areas. Um, I would even say, you know, 
schedule on your calendar or something. Force yourself to say, is any of this going on? You know, however often. But yeah. just to be, again, accountable, right? And right. be proactive about it and get ahead of it and uh, head it on. And obviously, this is something that Chris works with many companies about. We couldn't have been, uh, couldn't have talked about it in the depth that we have today if this wasn't really uh, a topic in your wheelhouse and something you've worked with on a wide range, wide range of different companies and certainly for, for many years now. If this is something you feel like your organization needs help with, needs expert advice on, expert guidance on, uh, obviously reach out to us and you can do that at influenceleadership.com. There's also great resources there. There's videos of, of Chris and, and other things. You can learn all things influence leadership, all things Iditarod leadership, all things Chris Fuller. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a, a, just a great resource. So we encourage you to do that. Obviously, we always encourage you to rate the podcast. Uh, it means a lot to us, but even more importantly, it helps it show up even more for people like you who want to hear and be aware of this information. So certainly encourage you to do that. Chris, final word as we close out today. You know, final word is the reason this is important again goes back to how many times are we spending an hour or two a night just trying to shake off the residue of our workplace environment. Mm -hmm. And you're not authentic to your kids. You're not authentic to your significant other. You're not authentic to yourself. You know, when you go home and you're so stressed and you're blown out because of this, um, that is tearing at your very being, tearing at your soul. You're losing sleep. You're drinking more adult beverages than you care to. Um, you're eating comfort food. You're not working out. You are getting dark in a hurry. And so um, when when you know that depression's creeping in, when you know your creativity's creeping in, all of this, you know what? You matter. Somebody has to have a voice that steps up and says, this is toxic. Mm -hmm. And I refuse to continue to drink from a poisoned well yeah. when I can't give my best to that. And so I just want to encourage you. There's hope. You can jump in, ask to solve it, find a way to reach out. There's something that we can do um, to at least give it a shot to get you into a healthy organizational environment. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Influence Leadership Podcast. <laughs>